thankful for the good singing and playing this morning. I'm glad that I can call heaven my home. Amen. Not because of any good thing. None of us deserve it, that's for sure. But because of one that came and He died, He set us free. Now, I said it a while ago, but He told His disciples, because I live, you shall live also. Boy, I lay hold to that this morning. Him just saying, I live, you live. My hope today is in, is in the blood of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and it's in, it's in that empty tomb. He didn't need it but three days. When He came out, He said, I'll never die again. And so He defeated death. And death is now dead for those of us who have been born again. John said it this way, that we have already passed from death into life. And I'm glad when I make that journey and the time comes, and I've been there, and I've told you this before, but I've been there right to the very edge. And I'm glad that death has died. And so we'll just walk on one day and be with Him and we'll close our eyes and wake up in eternity. Thankful for the revival services that we had. Thankful for Logan and Madison uniting with the church. I still believe there are more maybe that need to do that. Um, I can't read your hearts, but just how the Lord deals with me from time to time. Um, I'm thankful for the one that was saved. You know, it had been a long time since I had seen somebody get saved. It's good to hear about it. If you get saved at home, I'm glad to hear that testimony. But there's something about seeing it happen that just strengthens a church and a body. And I know it wasn't one of ours, but she's one of His. Amen. Amen. And I was just as excited as if it had been one of ours. And I, the, the group of the ladies from Romans 8, 28, they, they were a blessing to me. I mean, they moved as one. I mean, just all in one group. And, and uh, I thought they, they could probably teach us a few things about how to do that. Uh, when one of you and they saw one of their own in need, and they came as one mind and in one accord, and and I watched her crying out right about there, and I watched her there, and I watched her pray, and suddenly she came up and she said, "I want to thank the Lord." And the lady sitting beside of her, whatever her name was, said, "What do you want to thank Him for?" And she said, "For saving my soul." And so I'm glad that she got something that she'll carry with her for not just in this life but in the life to come. And so I'm glad of the revival services that we've had. I hope that we can build on those. I hope that I can build on those. I've thought a while ago it's probably been since Easter Sunday since I've tried to preach on a Sunday morning. And, and uh, I, I sure do need the help of the Lord. Um, anything on your heart before we go into a Scripture reading? I'd ask you to turn to two places. 2 Kings chapter 4 and 2 Chronicles chapter 36. And as we said, we do need the help of the Lord. Ethan told me this morning, he said, you know the... The Lord doesn't always expect you to preach your best sermon every time, but just to give your best effort. And so 
that's what I'm going to try to do. I really have no no uh, idea what we'll preach in this, uh, but it's been on my heart for a few days. Second Kings chapter number four, and starting with verse eighteen. And it says, And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servants, Set on the great pot, and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. And one went out into the field to gather herbs, and found a wild vine, and gathered thereof wild gourds his lap full, and came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat, and it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat thereof. But he said, Then bring meal. And he cast it into the pot, and he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat, and there was no harm in the pot. Now turning over to... um, Second Chronicles, chapter number 36, and I've preached on these before, uh, seems like maybe up at Ethan's uh, in Revival. Um, Second Chronicles, chapter number 36, starting with verse 11, and it says, Zedekiah was one and twenty years old when he began to reign, and reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear by God. But he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart from turning into the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised His words and misused His prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against His people till there was no remedy. Now I want you to let that thought settle in. Just the last verse that we read. I imagine some of you and, and maybe it's happened to you, but I imagine that uh, many others of you have been in a situation or in a doctor's office or in a patient's room when the doctor would say the words you never want to hear, which is, there's nothing else that we can do. Uh, probably the most gut-wrenching thing a person can hear coming from a physician is we've done all that we could, but there's simply no cure for what this person has. And I want you to let that thought just sort of marinate on that. And and what I read to you there said there was no remedy. And I want us to go back to what I read first. Elisha was a prophet that followed after Elijah. 
And Elijah, as I've referenced here many times, was the prophet that was able to call the fire of God on different occasions down. He called it down on three different occasions, I believe, and, and killed 51 people at the same time on three different occasions. He called the fire down at the offering on Mount Carmel uh, that consumed his burnt offering and licked up the water that was in the trench. And Elijah brought a, a widow woman's uh, a son, restored life unto him that had been dead, in other words, Elijah was a great prophet that God used to minister throughout Israel. And the Old Testament is not written in chronological order, uh, meaning what you're reading in Second Chronicles uh, is the exact same thing you can read further over in the book of Jeremiah where he warns Zedekiah. But, but Elijah was a great man of God and he'd done many things. Uh, but the time came that Elijah, as we all must, had to pass on from this life. And and uh, Elijah was one of the only two men, the other being Enoch, that we know of, that, that never tasted death. God just took him. And so Elisha had, a, had an understanding that God was about to take Elijah uh, from him, that he was about to call him out and take him up into heaven. And Elisha uh, simply stayed by Elijah everywhere he went. Elijah tried three different times to separate himself from Elisha, knowing that God was going to take him. And Elisha said, nothing but death will part between me and thee. Uh, let me say this to you uh, today, dear friend. If you've got a friend in the Lord whom you've got confidence in, uh, the best thing to do would be stick close by that brother or that sister. And you can learn a lot. He poured water on the hands of Elijah, we read of, but... But the time finally came that, that Elijah was carried up into heaven. But before that, he said unto Elisha, What do you want from me? And Elisha said something that probably shocked Elijah. He said, I would to God that a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And I've thought different times how great of a thing was that that he asked. He saw Elijah, and he knew that he had raised the dead. He knew that he had called the fire down. And he said, I just don't want your spirit. He said, I want double what you have. And so in this generation, as we look back at the generations that's come before us and know how great their faith was, they didn't have uh, the supermarkets to go to and buy groceries. They, they depended on the Lord for their crops. And, and so if we would ask not just simply for a portion of their faith, but a double portion of their faith, I think it would do us good in this day and in this hour. But the time came that Elijah had to be separated and the Bible says a whirlwind came and chariots of fire and carried up Elijah from the face of Elisha. So they were parted one from another and Elisha literally watched as the chariots of fire and a whirlwind carried Elijah up into heaven. But as Elijah went up, his mantle that was about him or his cloak, the Bible calls it his mantle, fell down. And Elisha, Elisha went and picked it up. And Elisha said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he took the mantle in his hand and he smote the river Jordan and the waters began to part and he walked on on dry land. I would say, dear friend, today, it's high time we as God's people begin to ask, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? 
for He hasn't changed. It was mentioned in revival that this world has changed. And, and I was listening to a man preach last night and that's what he was preaching about. The world has changed, but God, uh, thank God, He remains the same yesterday and today and forevermore. So if we begin to cry out, where is the Lord God and Elijah and desire Him? In other words, the generation that's went before us those that are departing from us on a daily basis, uh, they are dropping their mantles behind and it would behoove us today to go and pick them up and carry the load for they've carried them a long time. Some of you have been saved for 50 and 60 years or more and you've carried that a long time and when your mantle falls, I pray there will be somebody there uh, to pick it up and when my mantle falls, uh, however weak and frail that it might be, I pray that there'll be somebody there to pick it up and to carry on preaching the Gospel. And that's what God has called me to do. And I'm glad that He's still calling men to do that today. Uh, the world doesn't understand it, but Paul did. He said by the foolishness uh, of preaching, it, uh, it'll be the saving of them that believe. There's a great importance placed on it. Uh, but I want to go back to Elisha. Uh, he, uh, he had the Spirit of God upon him just like Elijah did. He also restored a, a woman's uh, dead son back to life, a Shunammite woman. Uh, but here we find that right after that he came to Gilgal, a place where there was sort of a school of the prophets. And it said that there was a famine in the land and a dearth in the land and, and they didn't know what they were going to do for food. And, and so he just said, set on the great pot. And they set the great pot on and he said, begin to seed pottage for the sons of the prophets. And the Bible said that one of those men went out and, and whether he was commanded or not, I don't know, uh, but he found some wild gourds that began to look good unto him. And I would say to you today, beware. Uh, not everything that looks good to you is going to be good for you. Uh, but he found these wild gourds and, and the Bible says he didn't just dump them in, uh, but he shred them up. In other words, he diced them into small pieces and threw them in. And I can imagine their hunger as they watch this pottage begin to cook and, and how maybe some of them hadn't eaten in a while because of the famine. And there they were and they had their bowls and, and as they begin to eat, they noticed something foul and bitter. And they said, Oh man of God, there's death in the pot and they could not eat thereof. I would say to you today that we ought to pay attention. Now think about what Zedekiah said or what Chronicles said about him that he was the king of, of Judah at that time. And Jeremiah went to warn him. And other prophets went to warn him. And it said because that God had compassion on His people and on the house of His dwelling place, the, the temple that Solomon built, He had compassion upon it. He remembered the covenant He made with David and with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all the way down through the generations. And it left a remnant according to the election of grace. Uh, but there came a time when Zedekiah, uh, the king of Judah, turned away. You might say, well, the king doesn't speak for all the people. I would say unto you today, uh, he, he is their representative before God, uh, much like uh, uh, Joe Biden is their representative and uh, those who we elect 
as our House of Representatives and our congressmen, uh, we elect them for them to stand and represent us unto the people and into the world. Now let me say this right now. Uh, what we're getting fed, is there's death in that pot. You understand that today? Uh, what they're trying to feed your children in public schools. I don't know how it is here in Tennessee, uh, but in West Virginia and Virginia and other places, I heard of t- heard, heard tell that uh, that there was a boy who all of a sudden said he was a girl, went into the girl's bathroom, and uh, and, he, and the girls uh, went into the principal's office, and they said he didn't even use a bathroom. He just stood there and he watched us the whole time. You say, preacher, what? in the world are you doing mentioning this in a sermon? I want you to understand there's death in that pot. And he said they're not even watching. He's not even going to the bathroom, but he's just watching us. And you know what happened? The boy didn't get in trouble and the girls did. Now my friend, that is the garbage that's being portrayed in our public schoolhouses today. Gone are those days when, when schools would break for revival and classes would go to revival and the teachers would cry out. And I'm glad we've got godly men and women here. I saw here the other day when the school board had a meeting and began to pray the power of God down that done my heart good. I mean, we need... Schools, you realize today the condition that your children are growing up in, the world that they're growing up in, how they're getting fed. Look at even the Olympics that's going on today. Those representing us, half of them, don't even want to stand for our national anthem. Don't want to stand for the flag. I'm telling you, there's death in the pot, and yet we just keep eating on it, and eating on it, and eating on it, and it's to our harm. I want to know where is the Lord God of Elijah. Uh, where is the church of the living God today? You'll find in another place a few chapters before uh, that they came to a place where the water was bitter and Elisha said, cast in salt. And they cast in the salt. Then the people could drink the water. I would say today, if the church is the salt of the earth, then that's what it's going to take to get the world back on track. He said there's death in the pot. And Elisha said, then bring some meal. And there are heresies that have begun to spread throughout the house of God. Now many people are wondering, especially down in this region, about church fellowship. And I'm not going to get off into all that, but I do want to warn you right now, if you worry about that stuff too much, there is death in that pot. In other words, if you would just concentrate, what did Elisha say? Those gourds where they were diced up too small, uh, they couldn't dig them out. It wasn't just whole chunks of melons that they could just scoop it out, but they were in there and they were embedded in there and they were diced up into such small pieces. There's no way a man could dig all of that out. We begin to see that in our day. Uh, people have begun to add works unto the way of salvation. And uh, my friend, salvation is by grace through faith. Faith and repentance are given, at least we used to teach. And in our articles of confederation, we are in, our, in our articles, we always taught that faith and repentance are inseparable graces that God will grant them both to you. That at the time God reveals unto you your loss without God, He will also give you a heart of repentance 
and He'll give you a place of repentance for that, for your unbelief. And at the same time, He'll give you the faith to believe in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that they are inseparable graces, and that one would simply do no good without the other. There are those who have repented but have no faith. You can repent from now until your dying day. And many are repenting not because they feel bad for being a sinner, but simply because they got caught in their sin. And then they'll begin to repent. That's not true repentance unto God. Uh, but true repentance comes from a heart uh, that knows, hey, I'm a sinner. And I realize there's death in the pot. Uh, my friend, what did Elisha say? He said, bring the meal. Do you know what the meal is today? It's the Holy Bible. It's the book. It's the Word of God. Uh, Jesus Himself said, I am the bread of life. Uh, you're not going to be able to get all that false teaching out. But I firmly believe, and the same with church fellowship, I firmly believe if we would put that out of our mind for a space of time and just bring and preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ, all the other things would settle on their own accord. I believe. And you know what? If they still want to throw rocks at us, let them go ahead and throw them and I'll shake the dust of my feet off of them and I'll still love them as my brothers and my sisters and I'll still go to war for them and I'll pray for them and I'll pray with them and I'll try to fellowship with them. But if they want nothing to do with me, then I'll just go on my way. You worry on that too much and there's death in that pot. And people have begun to eat that. People are offended, it seems, more about that than the condition the world's in today. They are. They are. Who's in the bride? Who's not in the bride? I don't know. I can't tell you that will all be settled. I'm not the judge of all mankind, but there is one that will settle all of that. I'm just glad to know I'm going. I'm just glad to know I'm part of that number. I'm just glad to know man, no matter what rocks people might throw at me, uh, that God saved my soul getting up off an altar one night when I come to the end of myself and that's what it took. Like the, like the prodigal son. The Bible said he, he went to his father and he said, Father, I, in other words, he couldn't wait for his daddy to die. Now think about how bad a shape uh, spiritually that young man was in. He was saying more or less, I wish you would just hurry up and die so I could get my inheritance. But because it seems you're going to live forever, would you just go ahead and give it to me now that I might have it and enjoy it? And the Bible says the man delivered unto both sons. In other words, he gave them both their inheritance. And one son went out and wasted, the Bible said, his substance with riotous living. And wasteful living. In other words, things that looked appealing to him, he soon found out there was death in that pot. Uh, people are going about today to and fro. Uh, they're appeasing their flesh. That's all they're concerned with is their flesh. That's all their desire is is their flesh. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with wanting things and wanting nice things. I think God, I think... Matter of fact, I think it would be sinful if God has blessed us and we hoard up all the money and we begin to hoard that up and don't enjoy the good things that He wants us to have. And there's death in that pot too. That's right. There, there was a woman I used to go to church with and she was serious. She was so tight. We ordered new songbooks one time and she said, well, 
What are we spending money on that for? We ain't even learned all the songs in the old one yet. And she meant it. There's death in that pot. There's day you can take anything. Work to an extreme. You can work yourself into the grave and there's death in that pot too. But my friend, there are so many things that are diced up into religion today that, that, that it is impossible for, for, for any pastor or preacher or member to dig them out. So instead of trying to dig it all out, I believe if we throw enough meal in there, uh, that the pottage will be fit to eat, and then once they're born again, God will settle the rest of it on His turn and on His way. It's our job simply to cast in the meal. And that's all I know to do today is to try to cast in the meal. But Zedekiah was a man that Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had set up to be king over Judah. In Second Chronicles, in the book of Jeremiah, we read that time and time again, Jeremiah went to Zedekiah and he began to say unto him, you know, the Lord's fixing to carry us captive into Babylon and it's going to be 70 years of captivity because we've not honored the Sabbath land. Because at the end of every six years, the seventh year they were supposed to let the land rest. And so that was the plan. And God was going to give them twice as much in the sixth year so they wouldn't go hungry in the seventh year. But he said, because we have disobeyed the Sabbath, he said it's going to be a year for every time that we've done that. So 70 years we're going to be carried off. And the Bible said God had compassion and He sent unto them prophets and He sent unto them preachers and He sent unto them teachers. But the more He sent, the more they hardened your heart. You listen to me now, sinner friend. If you're here and God has dealt with you, one time saying that you're lost without God. You can put that off. But my friend, there's death in that pot. You see, there came a time when God's compassion had reached its limit with Judah and with Zedekiah. And he said, I finally waited as long as I can wait because you would not hearken to me. And it said even the priests were taken up with it. Even the prophets, some of them were taken up with it. And the chief rulers of the house of the synagogue and the people that you are supposed to go to for direction from God. Uh, my friend today, how many so-called pastors across our country have been run off for having affairs with the secretary? I mean, I'm telling you what's the truth today. There's death in that garbage and in that pod. And that's the way it was in those days. And God's compassion finally came to a place that I read that His wrath had to be poured out upon His own people and upon His own house and upon His own children. And He said, till there was no remedy. You listen to me close, America. You listen to me right close. We are heading headlong into a direction that except we cast in the meal and stop and turn, except we begin to pour good things into that cottage, there is going to be no remedy for what cometh upon the United States of America. You might not like hearing that, but I believe with all my heart it's the truth. I mean, we're headed in directions. As we said, I read something last night or a night or two ago. One of those celebrities in Hollywood, oh, they were so thrilled, so pleased, and so proud 
What were they pleased and proud and happy about? That all of a sudden their son is now their daughter. And they were proud of it. And you see, we're living in a time when when men ought to be condemned for the sins of this world, they are proudful and boastful and there's death in that part. And if we keep on, there'll be no remedy. God's given you a space to repent. And sinner friend, you live the rest of your life and you never ever trust in Him and come to Him, you'll find yourself standing before a great white throne and there will be no remedy for you in that day. And God will say, just like He said to Zedekiah, He said, I sent prophets and I sent priests and I sent people to warn you and you hardened your neck and you hardened your heart and your neck stiffened up and you would not repent and now there's no remedy. How sad is that going to be? Standing before a thrice holy God and Him saying unto you, I sent you preachers and teachers and people that told you you needed to be saved but because you would not listen and would not obey, there's no remedy into the lake of fire you'll go. And there is no remedy. I'm telling you, it's serious today. And I understand we're living in a time of pandemics, and what, but I, I also know this. He told the Hebrew children, He said, all the diseases of Egypt, I can keep away from you. When they were wandering in the wilderness in their disobedience, He said, all, of the, all diseases, if you would but hearken unto Me, I can keep those diseases from ever touching you. Well, this pandemic has reached from shore to shore, from sea to sea, from country to country. But my friend, all God would have to do, if He would ever find Him a people willing to really lay in that, He could remove that overnight. You realize that? You say, preacher, He can't do He's God. He can do what He wants. Amen. Amen. But I believe He... I don't believe He sent it, but I believe He allowed it to come for a purpose. And it's either going to harden people's hearts or it's going to cause people to fall on their face before a holy God. And you know what revival is? I heard this said the other night uh, listening to a man of God. You know what revival? When revival begins... Not when I stand up here and look at you and say, you need to repent. You need to believe. You need to, but it's when I'll stand up here and confess unto you that I need to repent. That it needs to start with me. That's where revival starts when you look in the mirror and see how it is with you. That's where revival really begins. Instead of pointing at all these other ones, my friends, we need to be casting some meal into this pottage. Because what the world is cooking when it comes out of the oven, and my friends, this generation is gobbling it up, but there is death in the pot. They don't even realize it. They just eat it up day after day like a, like a, like a sow returned to her own vomit. They just eat up whatever it is that the world offers them. And they don't think twice about it. My friend, there's death in that pot. You keep eating of that. They tell me I have to stay away from certain foods now. I did have a Debbie burger the other day, first one in seven years. But I understand enough to know if I eat that every day, there's death in that pot for me. I understand that. But it was good. And I would take another one. But you understand, there is death. 
There's death in the pot of certain church teachings that say you have to do this and you have to do that. But I find at Pentecost, you know what they said? What must we do when God pricked them in the heart after hearing Simon Peter preach about Jesus Christ? He said, this man you have killed and you have hung on a tree and this man, through the foreknowledge of God, hath done this and you have crucified the Lord of glory. And they said, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ calling upon Him for the remission of sins. And when they asked Paul and Silas, what must we do? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But we live in a time when men want to put our own works and our own thoughts into all of that. I'm just telling you what the book says. I'm just telling you what the book says. There was a king of old. He started to reign when he was eight years old. His name was Josiah. And Josiah had it in his heart. He was a good king to rebuild the temple. It had been ransacked. It had been torn down. The idols had been set up inside of it. And he had it in his heart to go and restore the temple. Could I say unto you what we need to do first is restore the house of God. Amen. Amen. That's where it began. And as they were rebuilding or restoring this temple that Solomon had built, somebody found a book. And they brought that book into the king's scribe. And the king's scribe read it before King Josiah. And what was the book? It was the law of Moses. I believe it was the Pentateuch. I believe it was the first five chapters of the Bible as we know it. But at any rate, it was at least part of that. Because when the, the, when the king heard with his own voice that the wrath of God was fixing to be poured out, he commanded men everywhere, repent in sackcloth and ashes. And God said, because you have repented, this will not come in your days. The same thing happened to King Hezekiah. But King Hezekiah put it off into the days of his children. I'm afraid that's all we've done. We're just kicking the can down the road, but we're going to kick it to a place where there's no more remedy. That's right. Preacher, what do you mean? I mean to tell you, you listen to me. Somebody said maybe Conchita the other night that she said, I don't know what it's like to be on an altar for years and years and years. I don't either. I, I can't sympathize with that because it didn't take me that long. It came... It came easy in a way and the devil had made me think that came too easy and he'll get into your heart. I heard a man preaching the other night and he was talking about it. The devil's called a thief and a liar and a deceiver and he said, if I'm a thief and I'm casing your house, I'm not just going to go in and grab. He said, I'm going to do my research and I'm going to case and stake out your place. I'm going to know where your valuables are. I'm going to know right where you keep everything hidden. And that way I can get in and take what you treasure the most and take it from you. Could I say unto you today, to the person and the child of God, He will steal your faith. He'll rob you of your faith. He'll rob you of your joy and your blessings. You that have been saved and never been baptized, never told a public profession, let me warn you, there's death in that pot. Not to your soul, but to your light and to your witness. 
and to your testimony and to your friends and to your family and to your neighbors. He will rob you of that faith because it's the thing you treasure the most. And that's what He's after. And there's death in that pot if you let Him. My friend, not to your soul, but to your joy. You that have been saved, listen to me. I, I can't speak of knowing what it's like to be on an altar for years, but I can speak to, I can speak to this part. He'll steal it right from you. I mean, everything will be going good, and out of the blue, something will happen, and that, boom. Because He's paced you out. He knows what's important to you. There's death in that pot. But I'm glad for the meal that I have in my hand that tells me Satan was defeated soundly at the cross. He was defeated. The Bible said he was made a spectacle of. He was made a show of them openly that the Lord Jesus Christ defeated Satan on the cross. And my friend, in this day and hour, it's that same Jesus that we preach and that we teach and that we tell about and in this day, it's still a day of grace. If you're here today and lost without God, He's extended you one more opportunity. There is still a remedy today. If you keep putting it off, there will come a place where there is no remedy and you'll have to eat the death that's in the pot and you'll have nobody to blame except yourself. Amen. Because you've been told the truth about this man Jesus and yet did nothing about it. How sad is that? That's what's on my heart this morning. Get you a song. God bless you. Thank you for your prayers.